to me it is everything you do to build yourself up so that you keep moving forward mentally emotionally physically even during the down times and so that's going to be the things that you do to take care of yourself. And I'm not just talking about medication. I'm talking about the people who are in your life. So making sure that you have a network of self-supportive people it doesn't necessarily have to be a mentor, but folks that you associate with who are at a similar level and, and who are striving for their own definitions of greatness. Do you find yourself gravitating towards people in big transitions? People who are figuring it out, where the lights are coming on, where there was once dark, and also doors shutting where they used to be open. Sometimes it's really kind of fun to be bear witness to somebody else going through these changes and wondering, what if it's your time? What if you're going through a transition like that? And it's kind of nice to connect with each other. And it's like every day is an aha moment on the Culture Changers podcast. And as we are in the money and relationship series, I couldn't wait to get Rich Jones on this show. He's been featured on NBC News and USA Today and has a very successful podcast called Mental Wealth. And speaking of transitions, he just changed his podcast name from Paychecks and Balances, which has historically been a personal finance podcast, to the aptly titled Mental Wealth Podcast. Rich does a great job of not only giving practical financial advice, but also talking about mental health and how they intersect together. And this is so cool, the importance of changing the conversation specifically around finances in black communities as well. I love the complexities and layers of the cultural intersections that impact all of us and how to start untangling it in our own lives and understanding each other a little better. And speaking of which, if you haven't already followed this podcast, please follow it now or subscribe based on your player. I don't know if you noticed, but I think most podcast players now have a plus button or a follow button. I think it's more follow where it used to be subscribe. But whatever your player is, please make sure you follow this podcast. And if you want to do me just right, Go to allisonhair.com. Oh, that didn't sound right. If you want to do me just right, go to allisonhair.com. Well, whatever, whatever it is. But what I want you to do, go to allisonhair.com, leave me your email address so you can get these episodes directly delivered to you with a personal note the moment they're published. We can do this together. Here's my chat with Rich Jones of the Mental Wealth Podcast. When you grew up, what was the story that you had about money? What were you told? What did you learn growing up? What was your household like? Yeah, we didn't really talk about money like that. As you hear from many other families where money to me was seeing my parents sit at the kitchen table and write checks to pay off bills. Uh, I didn't really learn things about uh, getting out of debt or, or building wealth. Uh, I kind of just saw like, oh, you have credit card debt, you pay it off, maybe you pay the minimum every month and you just continue to do that for however long until it's finally paid off. So for me, when I got to college and, uh, and I walked on campus and they had the Frisbee and the free t-shirt in exchange <laughs> for the credit card, and I was one of the people who signed up for that because I was like, oh yeah, you get a credit card, it's free money, you just pay the minimum and you keep paying it off and, and that's what you do. 
And uh, that's how a lot of folks also end up in debt because you see that experience, you emulate it because it's been imprinted upon you. And, uh, you know, I didn't come from a background where, uh, you know, I was poor. Both my parents were uh, janitors, but they made sure that I was taken care of. And I always felt like I had what I needed. But as far as like money, you know, I had think games, toys, stuff like that, that I wanted, but it wasn't a uh, a, a direct conversation really in the household. You live in a world of personal finance today. You've had your own journey as a black man and somebody that, you know, talks about, we don't talk about money. This was something that was just never, you know, people who look like me aren't talking about personal finance. You know, where, where do I fit in the marketplace? How did you, how did you, how did you realize this was an avenue that was important to discuss? Yeah. So it was, 2013. And at that time, I was running a dating and relationship blog, coincidentally. So really? I, was a, I was a writer and I was under a pen name and all of that stuff, writing about matters of the heart, primarily for a female audience. But uh, I had gotten to a place where I'd been doing that for five or six years. And there were some things that were going on in my life at the time. And I was like, I'm freaking tired of talking about relationships. Like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to land in a good career spot. I'm trying to figure out how to get my own finances in order. I feel like I'm one catastrophe away from financial ruin. And so I, I started listening to a personal finance podcast and then looking for content that was out there. And what I found is that it often felt like I was being lectured by an old white dude in a suit, to be honest. Like I'd listen to a podcast and I'd have someone saying, oh, if you don't know this, you're stupid. So you'd have folks that were making you feel dumb for not knowing certain jargon, or you would just feel bad for not knowing certain terminology because people would make it sound like it's stuff that you're supposed to know. And um, I noticed I couldn't really find a show that felt like it spoke to people who look like me, thought like me, people who wanted to understand things simply and not be made to feel dumb, people who want to feel that the content they're listening to or watching is relatable. And that was kind of like the, the seed for, I think I need to start a podcast. I need to create what I can't find. That's always how it started. Why is it so hard for people to understand money. Is it scary? Well, it was a taboo topic for so long. I mean, much like mental health, like mental health is the next wave of the topic that's like finally cool. And uh, money was a topic that, you know, started to become cool o over the past few years. But prior to that, it was something that uh, people... It's cool when you're making it. When you're not, it's not. Yeah. I mean, people <laughs> like to joke about being broke. But I, I, but at the same time, it's, it's one of those things you, where you probably laugh to keep from crying. But uh, e even things like talking about salary, it's stuff that like that has been ingrained that you just don't do like, oh, salary is confidential. Like, oh, how much money you make is is confidential. Uh, and it's also deeply personal. I mean, talking about money is more personal than talking about sex, mm -hmm. which is kind of you, you like you could hear all of someone's exploits and you ask them something about money and suddenly they they clam up because uh, it's also a topic I think a lot of people try to avoid until they absolutely have to talk about it. But isn't it a tie to self-worth? And that, I think, is really the crux of it, of just, you know, like how much money in the bank and how tied it is to your self-worth, whether you have the ability to make it, whether you understand it. You know, you talked about the feeling of, I, I don't want to feel talked down to. I don't understand the jargon. How do I make this simply? How do we, how do we synthesize those two? And are they separate or are they, should they be together? Yeah, when it when it comes to money and even the self-worth, I actually think it it goes the other direction. It goes the other way around. 
where I think a lot of times money is the output or or end result or maybe a, a reason that we say is for. But a lot of times there are other things that are going on in our life that we also need to tackle or there are things that have happened in our life that we haven't addressed that have contributed to us having that feeling and that need for worth and then trying to find that by buying more things. And I, I know with with money, especially once you get out of school and, and you start working and you get into the whole keeping up with the Joneses and your friends are doing this and your friends are doing that, it does become a lot more tied to your worth because it allows you to do things. It allows you to show who you are. And when you can't do that, it, it, it creates some conflict. So I think it's a there's a different situation for someone who is who I'd say is you know, raising a family, they're working multiple jobs, they're struggling to make ends meet versus the type of person who I typically encounter who's more so a white collar professional, where the shame that they're feeling around their money may be around bad decisions that, that they've made, debt that they've gotten in over their head beyond student loans, you know, cars that, that they've bought. Uh, and so like that, that shame part, I think drives a lot of people in not talking about money. And uh, also, if you constantly see people around you flossing, flexing, doing all of this and that, and you're not able to do it, that becomes a, a mirror to where you are in your life. So how do you untangle from that? Because it's so deeply embedded. So you're a big advocate of mental wealth, which I never heard of until your podcast. So thank you for introducing me to that. But what is mental wealth to you? Yeah, to me, it is everything you do to build yourself up so that you keep moving forward mentally, emotionally, physically, even during the downtimes. And so that's going to be the things that you do to take care of yourself. And I'm not just talking about medication. I'm talking about the people who are in your life. So making sure that you have a network of self-supportive people it doesn't necessarily have to be a mentor, but folks that you associate with who are at a similar level and, and who are striving for their own definitions of greatness. I think there's also an element of uh, how you set up a daily routine for yourself, because I believe we expend a lot of energy every day making decisions that if we actually just wrote them down and created a list or if we you know, maybe outsourced or offloaded some things, it would free up the mental space for us to be able to maybe gain more clarity or tap more into some of the things that that we're really interested in. Uh, I also think it's it's uh, really important for people to create that space for self to do some of that reflection, uh, whether it's around like, you know, why am I acting this way when it comes to money or for, for so like, for example, I'm an emotional mm -hmm. spender and I can look at my bank account during a, during a period of time and tell you like, if I was going through a turbulent stretch just by looking at my spending alone. Wow. And so, uh, being able to sit and do that reflection, even for me, someone who's in personal finance, it's hard for me sometimes. Actually, this happened yesterday. I had to log into where I keep track of all my, my budgeting and expenses. And I had this pit in my stomach because I hadn't looked in a few weeks and I knew that I'd been spending rather crazily. And so I tried to avoid it, but then I'm like, avoidance doesn't solve the problem. Avoidance doesn't dissolve the issue. It's still going to be there, perhaps even stronger later on. And so I think. The, the first part of, of getting untangled is making a conscious decision that this is something that you want to improve. So you, you need to be intentional about that. And then I also think it's important that uh, you think about uh, what I like to call emotional goals, which are goals when you think about achieving them, you actually, you might get a little bit emotional. Maybe you don't cry. Maybe you get, you know, chills or something like that. Because that thing that you're reacting to, that you're feeling that strongly about, is what you ultimately care about. That's the true thing that, that you really care about. And 
that true thing can then become the fuel to help you get more comfortable with money, to help you get more comfortable with these other aspects uh, of your life. But it does require you to like sit down, be alone with your thoughts, as scary as that is, and uh, and to actually start to like process, write these things down, journal. Um, you know, if you're not talking to a therapist, go go have uh, a few conversations with someone to get to at least get some of this stuff out of your head because. A lot of times, whether it's money or not, there's this feeling of of stuckness that that, that we have, mm-hmm. and and uh, and that feeling is sometimes related to what our uh, circumstances are at, at that point in our life. But a lot of times, it's also related to that self worth you talked about, that fear, that that lack of confidence. You know, we, you you talk about someone even. Uh, being in a bad work situation and uh, being afraid to leave the job because they think that the next one could potentially be worse or they think that they're going to end up in a in a worse off situation, which is also a negative mindset thing. And there's probably some uh, conversations the person is having with themselves th- that they need to get a grasp on. So there, there's a lot that goes into that, but so you have to make an intentional decision uh, that this is something that you want to improve and you have to set goals for yourself and make sure that they're manageable along the way. I want to pause for a second on this. I think it's a really interesting perspective, especially being, you know, having your eyes wide open is what I'm hearing from you. And I'm thinking about money mindset. So money mindset is something that you hear a lot. It is a buzzword, right? And so in some cases, money mindset might call you to be completely aware of where your money is. Look at it every day, you know, really reflect of of what you're doing. And then on some cases, the money mindset of, of trying to, I don't know if it's manifesting money or, you know, removing mental blocks, removing emotional blocks to help you earn money might have you not look at the bank account to not mess with your head. It is somewhat confusing. I've heard, you know, both sides. It is somewhat confusing of, of how do you kind of manage the emotional ride that you might have with money and from a mindset perspective, I think you kind of laid it out pretty clear of go see a therapist, get it out in, you know, in some ways, sometimes we can drive ourselves crazy, but I'd be, I'd be interested to get your perspective on money mindset and what that means. For me, money mindset, it's, it's very much tied to a lot of what we talked about, but I think what's additional for this is that it does get a little bit more tactical. For me, when I when I think about money, when I think about money mindset specifically, because yes, there there are the affirmations I'm going, you know, to accrue a million dollars and this and that. But uh, I've learned for self that uh, I operate best when I have processes and systems in place. When I don't have those things in place, I actually lose money. Whether it's spending money that actually should have been allocated to something else, but I saw it in my bank account. Whether it's, you know, I'm jumping between four different bank account apps and trying to figure something out where, there, where maybe there could have been one solution that made it easy for me to follow. And uh, I've also accepted about myself that the more steps and the more work that it takes, the less likely it is that I'm going to do it, despite the fact that I'm a personal finance person and, you know, I talk about achievement and all of this other stuff. But, but part of how I've hacked that is accepting who I am and, and, and how I operate. So uh, for folks who are kind of at the beginning of the money mindset journey, I'd encourage them to, yes, do that values work, do that goal work, because that is foundational. But then once you decide that you're ready to get started, think about it manageably. You don't need to set these crazy goals. Now you, now I'm going to save an extra 500 a month. It could be like, I want to save an extra 25 a month. 
Okay, that was easy. Now I want to save an extra 50. Okay, that was easy. And you know what? I'm going to start saving $100 a month. So you make it small and manageable. So you move up, maybe you feel a little pain, you stay there for a little while, but then as you get into it and you, and you continue to build that confidence because you don't build that confidence if you don't do the work, you start to realize that it's easier and you start to see that, oh yes, it is possible for, for me to save money. And that's where you start to build that momentum. And you probably know, like once you start building that momentum or what, whatever that thing is, you know that you're dope at or you're getting good at, it actually starts to become fun. And I, I think a lot of times we don't let it get to the point that it becomes fun because we just see money as this as this like thing that we need when actually it's a, a tool that can be used a lot of different ways to to help us actually achieve the happiness that, that we want. So like an abundance mindset, too, I think helps or, or kind of reframing, you know, you, you just made you just made money become much more accessible. And I think that's the goal of your podcast, isn't it? Like podcast, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be these enormous uh, goals, but starting off small. Yeah. As they go forward. Yeah. Tell me about paychecks and balances. Yeah. And I love what you said there, uh, because that giving yourself grace, it's something that it, it took a lot of years for me to get a hold of. And it's something that I'm even like still working on now. And I think a lot of times, we beat ourselves up over things and it's like, no, like you're going to make mistakes. Like things are going to come up. Things are going to happen. And with the podcast, my thing from the beginning is I've always wanted to have a show that was fun, relatable and easy to understand. Because uh, I remember what it was like to listen to shows and, and feel like stuff was going over my head. You've probably been in meetings or we've all been in conversations where people are talking about something and, and you know what that feeling is like when it feels like everyone else oh, gets it but you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so uh, throughout this podcasting journey, it has never been about me as an expert. It's been more about the mistakes that I've made and the lessons that I've learned along the way. And that's part of the tagline is, you know, how to navigate your finances and careers, but also have some fun along the way. So for me on the podcast, uh, I talk about the mistakes that I've made financially, professionally, personally. Uh, I talk to guests not just about how they've gotten to uh, their you know successful place and all of the tactics, but I actually try to dig a bit and, and, and try to get a little bit of vulnerability out of them as well because like the honestly the tactics are are the easy part. The, the tactics are really the easy part. It's the what happens when these folks ran across these various challenges as they were moving toward this thing that we're now admiring them for today. That's where the real learning is. And that's the stuff that, that often doesn't get talked about enough. So when I'm whether I'm talking to an entrepreneur, uh, another podcaster, somebody who's an expert in their field, or just someone who's, I just think is doing something generally dope, there's always a, a story that resonates more than just getting into the specific tactics of here's how to save, here's how to make more money, here's how to start a business. It is true that your podcast really highlights stories and you, even your own personal journey it's it's easy to get ingratiated with you or at least to to want you to be the champion, <laughs> you know, to want you to win or even feel relatable like, oh, I know exactly how that feels. I've been there, you know, um, and even understanding those stories. I'm curious about money myths or even myths as it comes to, you know, our, what are what are we getting wrong about money? What do you see out there? So maybe it's in the social media world that is preaching the wrong things. Where are we going down the wrong path and how do we pivot? 
Uh, there are so many different things with money and even tangential to money. Uh, because one thing that's not going to sound like it's, it's directly related, but it, but it is, everyone doesn't need to be an entrepreneur. There's a lot of content out there that talks about like a day job as the rat race and you got to get out of there. But some people really enjoy that. And you can have a pretty lucrative career, as you see with tech executives and all of this other stuff at different companies. You can have a, a pretty lucrative company or excuse me, you could have a pretty lucrative career uh, working a day job. And uh, I mentioned that because when you start having this like, should I be doing this other thing? Like, should I you get distracted from from the mission at hand? And maybe that thing that you're doing, like you actually enjoy going to work. You like not having to figure out uh, how much money is going to come in or how you're going to generate, you know, a certain amount of money each month. You like knowing that you can just easily negotiate based off of your performance and uh, and and ultimately in increase your your status with the company. So uh, I think a lot of people, just given the way that entre entrepreneurship is talked about, they feel like that's something that they have to be doing. Uh, the other thing is uh, you don't have to be actively trading in the stock market. I do believe that uh, you should have multiple revenue streams, but there are a lot of different ways to do that. I mean, you can sell art. I mean, there's a lot of different stuff that, that you can do. But I think especially given the, the pandemic and, and given conversations around crypto that a lot of people are getting into investing and not fully understanding like why they're getting into it. They just see that that's what everyone else is doing and there's the FOMO effect and they feel like they're missing out on potential money. Well, guess what? If you put money in the market, you need to be prepared to, 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 to lose it. And I, and I think some people are, uh, are, are shocked to see like, oh, this actually is pretty challenging. Like to be a day trader, you've got to be paying attention to what's happening on screens and you've got to be looking at your phone all day because I, I tried that out for my audience to see what it was like. And I was like, yo, this is really difficult to do <laughs> with the daytime job and a podcast and remain focused. Uh, and then uh, also kind of going back to what I said earlier, I, I feel like people just, uh, they, they often make it more complicated and I understand it because I've been there myself and I do make things more complicated than what they need to be sometimes. <laughs> but uh, when I'm talking to people about money, the money, there's just like so much like tension and just like, Oh, I got a million things to think about. And I'm just like, yo, one thing at a time, like, don't worry about what they're doing. Don't worry about the course they just put up this, that, and, and the third, just one thing at a time. It doesn't need to be complicated. And you don't need to, it, it doesn't need to be a struggle. It can be challenging. It will be challenging, but it, it doesn't have to be this, this soul sucking thing. If, if, if you start to change your perspective and start to look at it differently. And instead of saying like, what's, what's happening to me? Like, this sucks. Like, how do I get out of this shitty situation? It's like, how do I improve my circumstances? How do I move closer toward a goal? So even just like that, that subtle framing can can make a, a big difference. That's a huge thing. And I wanted to go back for a second about you talking about not everyone has to be an entrepreneur. So you'll see in the news, everyone is talking about the great resignation, how many people are leaving the workforce, because there are so many options now. I mean, there are eight-year-old YouTubers that are making millions and millions of dollars and doing it honestly. I mean, God bless them. I'm all about it. I want to get my eight-year-old who's <laughs> whose room I'm like, maybe we should get a video camera and <laughs> figure out something. But, um, yes. you know, I, I, it's, it's so different now. It's so infinite. And I wonder if the answer is, you know, right about using the corporate job or corporate gig or whatever it is that you're doing as, you know, a great 
blessing to be able to do what you want to do. They're tools. Otherwise. These are all tools. Yeah, Money's a tool. they're tools. Your career is a tool. They these aren't these aren't the end all be all. They help you do those things that are the end all end all be all, or they help you do those things that are most aligned with your values, so that you're at the highest level of satisfaction. And when you're at the highest level of satisfaction, that's when you're experiencing freedom, not just when you're getting a big paycheck, and not even when you're just walking away from a walking away from a company. Because guess what? You may still have to go get another job, or now you're unemployed and you've got to figure that and you've got to figure that situation out. So no matter what, there's always going to be that, that challenge and that, and that aspect of it where, where you need to say like this, this isn't going to be easy and uh, it may not be fun, but it's necessary. And I think that that's something that I've accepted uh, throughout my financial journey and just my, my journey in general is that a lot of the things that I hate to do, they're very much necessary in order for me to get where I ultimately want to go. And I think that's the case for a lot of other people as well. Where do you want to go? Man, that is such a, uh, I've been thinking about that a lot. So when we're having this conversation, I'm in the midst of a mental health leave. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about where I want to go and what I want my impact on the world to be. And uh, for, and for me, I'm thinking about how t I just did all of this talk about entrepreneurship and I'm thinking about how do I get to a space where I can focus full time on doing things like this, going on podcasts, speaking to folks, you know, we, we met at a conference, uh, leaning more into yeah. my, my own story because I've been coming to terms with, with that over the past couple of months and saying like, you know, if I can get through all of this stuff that, that I got through some of it that I've, some of it I repressed and have had to think about again, but if I can get through all of this stuff and thrive to where people think that I've, I've been thriving so much, even though I've had this internal turmoil and I can get across that chasm and start to welcome and find that abundance in my life. I want to show other people that that's possible. You know, it's it, even getting back into running track, uh, it, something I never thought I'd be doing. And 15 years later, like here I am getting back in shape to be able to compete next year. Uh, when it's something that I thought was just a dream that would never turn into a reality. But all of the things that we've talked about today uh, around mindset and uh, and for me, breaking the, the cycle that I needed to break to be able to un unleash some of these untapped talents and to be able to reconnect with with passions, uh, that's not possible if I don't do that work. And so that's why when people come to me about uh, the, the money side of things, I can't help but like drift into the mental and emotional because I've seen firsthand how uh, doing that type of work can improve your life. And I want more people to be able to have that. So when you say doing that type of work, what is that the self-reflection? Is that the quiet? Yeah, it is. I mean, I've been going, and I like to think of this as my life portfolio of what I, some of what's in my life portfolio, very similar to mental wealth, where, where for me, I've been going to the same therapist for over four years uh, I quit alcohol July 1st, 2020. I also started working with a leadership Congratulations. coach at the, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I started working with a leadership coach and that's paid off tremendously in terms of helping me build courage that, that talk that I gave, that's partially due to me working with this leadership coach. And, and that's the output of that. that. That's the ROI. And I think about how it felt to be on that stage and to know that I was helping people in a way that they probably didn't intend 
like that, that, that feeling of aliveness, when you talk about emotional goals, I, I remembered that feeling that I had. And so now when you talk about where I want to go, I'm like, I want, I want that feeling to not just be something that's just at a conference every few months or once a year. I want that feeling to be something that I can experience. I know I'm not going to experience it every day, but I want that to be a feeling that, that I can experience on a more regular basis, which then also tells me that I'm living within my values and, and I'm achieving which I want, which is ultimately to, to help others and, and make a difference. So that's my thing. Oh, I so get that too. And what I thought was interesting about your talk and, and just for the listener, I met, uh, I met Rich. He was uh, giving a talk on giving great interviews um, at a podcast conference called Podcast Movement. And something you said right in the beginning, I have never admitted to anybody in my life. And I love public speaking. I am confident in, like I present really confidently, you know, that's just who I am. But you had said, my voice is going to shake when I start and I'm just going to chill. You're going to hear it and that's it because I'm a little nervous and then it'll go away and it'll be fine. And I have never admitted, but I do that every single time too. And yeah. I think, I think why I was so uh, drawn to you is because you just you just put it out there. Like I'm always trying to cover it up because I'm so afraid people are going to know that I'm nervous. You know, and it's exhausting um, too, though. It's, it's exhausting. Like a, yeah, yeah. It's and, it's and exhausting. I, I appreciate you giving that 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 backstory and context because. For me, and this is one thing I wanted to make sure that I said before we wrap up, it, that permission, like I wanted, like, so yes, it was to let you know, like, hey, I was giving myself permission to feel what I was feeling. Yes. So there was that selfish element of it. But also, I know a lot of people who are in that room, new podcasters, experienced podcasters, they get that feeling before they interview someone, even though it's their show. You know, they, they get mm. that feeling before they get on stage. So it's important that you Every give time. yourself permission. You know, to, to feel like this is like, I'm going to like, this is just, this is part of it. I know that once I get to two minutes from minute two to minute 30 or minute 45, it's going to be on and popping. I just got to get through those first two. And you were, you were on and popping, but I, I related to you. I resonated with you. Tell me, what do you know that you wish other people could know? Man. Oof. I, oh, that, that is a deep one. I wish people understood i wish the simple version of it is i wish people um uh had more empathy or understood the volume of things that folks are going through on a day-to-day -day basis because it can look like folks have it all together and their life can be in complete shambles uh and uh, the, the other thing and it's just keep going is this the other thing I wanted to say? Like the thing I wish, because that's a message that I, my coach had me write down. I, you have a billboard on a highway. It's your one billboard. What would you have it say? And then first thing that came to mind was just keep going. Because that's what I've done throughout my journey. And I know that for anyone who has a story, they've just kept going throughout that. And so that that's probably the message that I want to shout the most from the rooftop right now, because I continue to see the benefit of it. And I find myself I've, I've got it on a post-it note right here so that, you know, so so that I keep going even in those moments when it when it, when I know it feels difficult. Oh, I'm so inspired by you, Rich. How can people find you? Yeah, you can check out Paychecks and Balances on IG or Instagram and Twitter at Paybalances. Uh, I'm also on the same platforms at I am Rich Jones. Uh, podcast is coming back soon from a break because when I took a mental health break, I also took a break from the podcast because I gave myself permission. 
Uh, so you can check out Paychecks and Balances at paychecksandbalances.com on any podcast player that you have. And uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm posting a lot more there as well. So look up Rich Jones, PHR. You'll see my face and uh, that's where I be. That's amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Rich. You are a gem. Mental wealth. Mental wealth. Why didn't anyone think of that name before? It's so clever. It makes such perfect sense. Love talking to Rich about his experiences and so thankfully gets to share it with us. Who do you know that you can share this episode with? please send it along right now. You can text them, you can email them, you can uh, send a bat signal, you can use Morse code, you can put it on your socials, whatever you do, please make sure you share it. You have no idea how much I appreciate when you are sharing it, when it hits a nerve and you just want uh, to make sure other people hear this message as well. That is like the biggest currency for me. I've linked Rich's info in the show notes. Also, I've linked my info in the show notes because I want to hear from you. And I'm so excited about this. The next mini series that I'm doing after this money and relationship series is on reparenting. Now, it is not about, not necessarily about becoming a better parent. It's actually reparenting yourself and their endless possibilities. Were your parents narcissists? Do you have mommy issues? I know I do. Daddy issues. Maybe your parents passed away when you were younger or when they were, when they were, well, I don't know, when, I don't know, maybe they passed away young. Generational trauma, alcoholism, or what if your parents were just freaking amazing and no partner could ever measure up? And what we are going to do is we are rewiring the stories that don't serve us as adults and reparenting ourselves. You do not want to miss this. And I want to hear what's on top of your list. What is important to you? Who should I have on as a guest in this podcast, especially with this upcoming series? So I hope you'll follow me on the socials. I've linked it in the show notes and you can go to allisonhair.com. Send me your email address so we can stay in touch. My emails are the most personal I get, and I always love hearing from you. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.